to a wonderful start. And we are beginning a new worship series today called At Ease in God's World. And I have been blessed to complete my first year serving here with you at First United Methodist Church of Garland. And I love you, and I love being here. Um, And so, during this first year, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people. And I believe that there is a vision that is bubbling up, a vision that has already been here. Okay, this is not something that I am bringing. What I am wanting to do is is name what I have heard, name what I have discerned, and for us to consider what our vision is together and to begin to have conversations around that. And so the scripture that we are about to hear is actually the hallmark scripture for this vision. So we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we will begin reading at verse 16. Listen for the word of God. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God our rock and redeemer. Amen. Last week, our chair of the Board of Trustees, Daryl Lancaster, and Harriet Chavez, who is our business administrator, and Yolanda Pendleton, who is our office admin, went to a workshop on security. And this workshop... um, was deemed important in the face of what happened at Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston. And so the three of them went, um, and apparently uh, as Harriet and Yolanda um, were bringing the information back to the staff about um, what they learned, it was a very valuable, very informative um, workshop. But as we heard from Harriet and Yolanda about this, and as we considered all of the information about becoming more secure, feeling safer where we are right here and right now, 
we really struggled as a staff about, okay, is this going to completely close us off from our neighborhood? Is this going to separate us even more from the people that we want to come in our doors, from the people that we actually want to connect with and to assist? How can we be at ease in God's world when there is so much terrifying stuff that's happening? Whether it be here in our own community, whether it be in Charleston, whether it be in Ferguson, whether it be in New York, whether it be in Syria, you name it. How how can we be at ease in God's world? Because when we are at ease in God's world, we can be more attuned to the Spirit and where the Spirit is beckoning us. Where the Spirit is calling us to do God's work. And we have these words from the Apostle Paul, and it's really interesting to take a look at the context in which he was writing and to put that alongside our own context. So earlier in this letter, and in fact, First and Second Corinthians are just the two surviving letters we have. There apparently were more letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, but we don't have those, but he refers to them in these two letters, but earlier in 2 Corinthians, he refers to an event that happened to him and his um, fellow missionaries that was apparently really a dangerous thing. He doesn't say what happened, but he said that they feared for their lives and they were just totally devastated by what happened. So they were dealing with danger, and perhaps struggling with their own fear at those events, and perhaps, you know, who knows what other events had happened, but he then also refers earlier in the letter uh, to why he had changed his schedule. At the end of 1 Corinthians, he says, I am going to come visit you after I go to Macedonia, and so... He apparently did visit the Corinthian church, and he calls it a painful visit. And he doesn't give many details. And so in 2 Corinthians, he in some ways is apologizing for why he has changed his itinerary once again, because he doesn't want another painful visit. So there are problems in Paul's relationship with the Corinthian church. And yet, in the face of this, in the face of a broken, fragmented relationship, in the face of dangerous events, things that would make anyone's heart shrink in fear, we have these words that Paul is giving to the Corinthian church and these words which stretch across the centuries to us here today. And these words, I believe, speak 
of our call, of who we are called to be as disciples of Jesus Christ right here and right now. And I believe that actually there is a twofold call here. But they are so intricately connected that I think that one cannot be, um, one cannot be practiced following through on that call without the other. And I believe that those two calls are this. One, because we who are in Christ are receiving the blessing of God reconciling the world to God's own self through Christ's death and resurrection, we no longer see anyone else from a human point of view. The Greek phrase is katasarka, according to the flesh. What does that mean? Well, if we consider Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, from the flesh, we have a wandering rabbi from Nazareth, right? Who went about teaching and uh, performing miracles, um, a really remarkable human being. But our claim as Christians is that Jesus is much more than that, right? Is that Jesus is much more than just a human being that went about doing good. Because our claim is that through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, that God was doing something on a cosmic scale. Something that was... completely mind-blowing, overturning the things that were into something new, a new creation. So, because that's who we believe Christ is, then we also are to see no one else according to the flesh. No one else. Think about what that means in our own current context. When we see a person, we see hair color, eye color, uh, a general idea of what his or her age might be. We see gender. We see skin color. That is viewing another katasarka, according to the flesh. But our call, according to this text, is that we no longer see anyone according to the flesh. One commentator even went so far as to say, if we continue to see others, katasarka, that our dealings with others are katasarka, then we are denying the resurrection of Christ. Because Christ's resurrection has brought about something completely new. The second call, which is related to the first. And Paul says it twice. Because we who are in Christ are receiving the blessing of Christ and God's work reconciling the world to God's own self. Because we have received that blessing, we 
are given the ministry of reconciliation. Let me say it again. Because God is reconciling the world to God's own self through Jesus Christ, we who follow Jesus Christ are called to the ministry of reconciliation. To reconcile comes from a Latin word which means to make new, to restore, to repair. That is our call, my friends. It is our call to reconcile individually on a neighborhood level, communally, congregationally, globally. One commentator put it this way. The rubric goes like this. We who are loved... Love others. Love of others is not an option for which we may or may not decide. And further, regarding no one according to the flesh doesn't solely apply to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul's text does not say fellow believers. It says no one. So even unbelievers must be considered and related to differently now because Christ has died for them whether they have responded to that death for them or not. Ooh. My friends, I think through the centuries, one strand of Christianity that has been dominant has been that what God has done in Christ is for us. It is for us, but it is not only for us. And understanding our call to consider no one according to the flesh anymore because of what Christ has done. And to enter into the ministry of reconciliation, whether it is one little small act during the 24 hours that we are given to live, day in and day out, or whether it is something on a global scale, it is our call. So what does that look like? It could be a congregation who decides that two little buildings are used to build partnerships with other groups in the community who seek to work with people who are in profound need of God's restorative work. It could be an elementary school principal who is moved to tears because vacation Bible school children and a congregation have given school supplies in such abundance that they have to line them down the hall. And this is the thank you that we've received from that school for our work. This is a work of reconciliation, my friends. It could be grieving parishioners who have just lost their pastor and eight other loved ones to a gunman's violence. 
after that gunman sat with them in Bible study for an hour and then opened fire. And the community decides to forgive the gunman as they have been forgiven. That is an act of reconciliation. My friends, I hope we will have conversations around how we can be a congregation that practices this ministry of reconciliation. Whether it it is an act small or large, but it is our call. And only in following through on that call can we be at ease in God's world. John Wesley said, if we cannot all think alike, can we not all love alike? That is our call. Amen.